You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Among the events that happened at Hudaybiyah is this beautiful event. It has been reported that a number of slaves and those weak Meccans, Mustadafin they call them, they left Mecca, they fled and they joined the Prophet at Hudaybiyah. Quraysh became very angry. So they sent a letter or a message. Some narrations indicate they sent like a verbal message. Some of them indicate it was actually written. They send a message to the Prophet saying the following, Wallah, ma kharaju ilayka ragbatan fi deenik, wa kharaju haraban min al-riq. They're saying to the Prophet don't think that they have left Mecca, fled Mecca because they're interested in your religion. The only reason why they left Mecca is to be freed, is to avoid being enslaved. Because by becoming Muslim, you become free. So that's why they're leaving. Don't think they're interested in your religion. They're trying to humiliate the Prophet. Suhail ibn Amr, who's representing the Quraysh, says to the Prophet, قَدْ خَرَجَ إِلَيْكَ نَاسٌ مِنْ أَبْنَائِنَا وَأَرَقَائِنَا A number of our people, our uh, you know, uh, slaves and our people have come to you. وَلَيْسَ بِهِمْ فِقْهٌ فِي الدِّينِ Don't think they know anything about religion. وَإِنَّمَا خَرَجُوا فِرَارًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِنَا وَضَيَاعِنَا فَرْدُدْهُمْ إِلَيْنَا They're just running away from us, from our lands and property, from being enslaved. So send them back to us. So Quraysh demands from the Prophet that those slaves who fled Mecca, you have to send them back. The Prophet gets so angry, the hadith states you could see on his face the anger and he refused to send them back and he told Quraysh they are utaqa'ullah meaning don't think I'm responsible for them I didn't force them they are freed by Allah Allah's the one who guided them who invited them not me I'm just a messenger they set out for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on what basis do you want me to send to send them back I don't have the right to send them back what you think I own them they came for me, I'm just a messenger. They came for Islam and Islam is not my product, it's Allah's product. So don't expect me to send them back. And then the Prophet ﷺ gives his famous warning here. And he says to Quraysh, Oh you evil Quraysh, if you don't stop your evil, Allah will send a man to fight you and strike your necks. You better stop this evil. Or Allah will send a man against you. Allah has tried his heart for iman. He'll strike your necks for religion. They asked the Prophet, the companions asked the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, who is that man? Some, some said to the Prophet, is he Abu Bakr? The Prophet said no. Some said, is he Umar? The Prophet said no. 
Tirmidhi narrates it this way. I'd like to share with you the version of Tirmidhi, which is a very important work of Sunni hadith. Abu Bakr asked the Prophet, who is he, O Messenger of Allah? Then Umar asked the Prophet, who is he, O Messenger of Allah? The Prophet pointed towards a place, one hadith says it was a room or a tent or whatever it was. The Prophet told them, you see that man Naal, the one who's fixing the sandal, he is that man. They went, they approached, they saw Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, fixing the sandal of Rasulullah Many other Sunni sources have narrated this. Now I have a question here. When they were, when they asked the Prophet, whether as Tirmidhi says, Abu Bakr directly asked, Omar directly asked, or some companions, you know, the party of Umar and Abu Bakr, when they asked the Prophet, is it Abu Bakr, is it Umar? The Prophet didn't directly say, no, it's Ali. He said, the one who's fixing the sandal, who's patching the sandal, the sandal patcher, let's say. Why didn't the Prophet just mention the name of Imam Ali and instead he mentioned this attribute? What's the wisdom behind that? What's the hikmah in using this title, sifa, attribute, instead of just saying his name? The Prophet could have said, no, it's Ali ibn Abi Talib. He says, no, it's the one who's fixing the sandal. So they went and they saw Imam Ali fixing the sandal. Why would the Prophet use this term, fixing the sandal? Any idea? The Prophet is suggesting to these companions who run after dunya, that the man, who can only achieve this victory, which is next year, conquest of Mecca, is one who's not pulled by dunya. He's humble, he fixes a sandal. Who's willing to fix a sandal? Huh? You're, you think you're very important, you're prestigious, you have a social standing. You don't fix your own shoe and fix your own sandal. You, give, you pay somebody to do it. The Prophet is saying, no, this man is unlike Others, unlike some of these companions who run after dunya. That man doesn't run after dunya. He's very humble. He doesn't distinguish himself from others. He's willing to do anything. And he's fixing the Prophet's sandal. That's his tawadu. How come the other companions weren't fixing the Prophet's sandal? Why is it Ali ibn Abi Talib? It shows you Imam Ali was living, living for Rasulullah. His entire life was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So, this is also something interesting that happened at Hudaybiyah, which demonstrates the greatness of Amir al-Mu'mineen and how much the Prophet trusted in him and how much the Prophet loved him. So to summarize the events so far, in the beginning, we saw that the Prophet asked Umar to go and be his messenger. What was Umar's reply? I'm scared of Quraysh. I don't have a family to protect me. So he avoided going there. And we presented our analysis, right? of the meaning of Umar's statement. And then at the end, the Quraysh, when they continue their aggression and they demand that those slaves are sent back, the Prophet refuses and he tells them, look, you Quraysh better start acting properly. If you don't, Allah will send someone who will fight you, who will humiliate you. And that man, don't think he's a powerful king with a powerful army. He's one who fixes sandals. It's through his taqwa, 
through his sincerity, through his humbleness, through his purity, he gives izzah to Islam. This man gives honor to Islam, right? Not others, through their tribalism, you know, through their money, through their power, that does not give glory to Islam. And hence, once Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib on his way to one of the battles in Diqar, Ibn Abbas was there. Imam Ali is leading a powerful army. He's a powerful king by political standards. The Imam is going and he has all these thousands of army members willing to fight for him. When the Imam was in the Iqar, he was seen as fixing his sandal. That caught the attention of these Muslims. Many of them were new to Islam. The king is fixing his own sandal? How does that work? Ibn Abbas comes, he meets Amir al-Mu'mineen and he talks about this. The Imam salam tells him, Ibn Abbas, basically go tell these Muslims, you see all this army, all this power, all this caliphate, all this kingdom, all this dunya, all this materialism, all of that has less value in my eyes than this sandal. That's Ali ibn Abi Talib. You see this, this, this miserable sandal here that, that, that has caught your attention? For me, this sandal is more valuable than all this kingdom here. Unless, unless I have the opportunity to establish justice, then it has value. If I can use my power to defend the oppressed, yes, that has value in the eyes of Allah. Otherwise, money, power, for the sake of money, power, this sandal in my eyes is more valuable. It's more beneficial. At least I can walk on it, it protects my feet. Whereas pure dunya, pure power, pure money is nothing but a disease, nothing but destruction. So the sandal is, is, is more valuable than dunya. <laughs> this is Amir al-Mu'mineen. This is whom the Prophet raised. The Prophet is the one who trusts him. He raises him. And yet you see the Muslims, they insult Rasulullah by pushing him to number four. Those who push Imam Ali to number four, they're not insulting Imam Ali, really. They're insulting Rasulullah They're saying to the Prophet, really, just read between the lines, practically what, what's happening here. They're basically saying to the Prophet, this man whom you raised for 30 years, he grew up in your house, you raised him, you fed him with your knowledge, he was the warrior that you trained. He was the one that you asked to sleep in your bed, right? With all of that, he wasn't qualified to be one. Because Ya Rasulullah, you don't have the power to raise someone to be number one. Those others who spent most of their life as mushriks in Mecca, they're more qualified. They didn't, you didn't raise them since they were babies. They're more qualified. But the baby that you raised in your own house, nah, he's not, he can't be number one. That's an insult to Rasulullah. Because the foremost student the Prophet produced for humanity is Ali ibn Abi Talib. So if you put him at number four, you're insulting Rasulullah. Really, before insulting Imam Ali, you're insulting Rasulullah. That's the reality, that's the truth.